on today's episode. Hmm, I always wondered what it'd be like to live in one of those very unsafe towns, and it's like, and here we are. My husband was saying, oh, Jane just thinks she's going to be answering the door to people in a bikini sipping a tequila. <laughs> so if anybody is menopausal and they would like to join, although I do know for some people that's not the best offer they'll ever had in I'm David Bevis and you're listening to Mexico Over the Wall, a podcast about Mexico from the other side. On this episode, I'll be talking to Jane Ordaz. Jane moved to Mexico from the UK six years ago. I started off by asking her whereabouts in Mexico she lives. Uh, Irapuato, yes. So when we moved here, it was one of the safest places, you know, towns in Mexico. And now it's getting a reputation for not being. But uh, one of my husband is Mexican. One of his friends who's Mexican said, hmm, I always wondered what it'd be like to live in one of those very unsafe towns. And it's like, and here we are. <laughs> and we just look over our shoulder a little bit more. <laughs> What's it like in Irapuato, apart from the security? Well, it's a small town. It's got kind of an expat community which seems to be split between maybe Americans, some German and some Japanese because there are a lot of Japanese car park factories and things like that here. But it's it's quite a quiet, you know, it's a quiet small town for me, really. Yeah. How, how long have you been living there? Uh, this is coming into our sixth year. I can't believe that I've actually been here six years. It feels a very long time and no time. Why did you come to Mexico? We came here for my husband's work and our son was just five when we came or four. Um, and we, so we also came because we wanted him to know that Mexican side of his life. Interestingly now, he's very interested in the English side of his life. I don't know how much he truly remembers and how much is... I feel like it's hard to judge, isn't it, when they're so small, really. It's cyclical, I think, how you feel about being abroad, for me anyway, how I feel about being here. And one of the reasons I think, well, here, there aren't many other British people. There are a few, but not many. Um, and one of the reasons we kind of, I didn't get so involved in that world was because I also know that some of the you know, expat immigrant community here is much more temporary. And I felt, gosh, this is probably a permanent thing for me. So I need to, I need to be with people that aren't going to go because it's hard enough saying goodbye as it is. You know, I left England with a lot of excitement and taking a leap of faith. And my husband was saying, oh, Jane just thinks she's going to be answering the door to people in a bikini sipping a tequila. <laughs> And I was like, no, I don't, but it's a chance to do something different. And then actually you get here and you, I went, oh, what am I going to do? It's, <laughs> what stupid idea did I have not to think about what I was going to do? Why did I do that? Oh, well, I'm here now. Have to sort something out. So, yes. Yeah. So what, what, did, you, what did you end up doing? Well, to start with, every single person I met literally said, 
teach English. And I thought, I don't know. I don't know how you teach English. So I thought, well, it's interesting. I used to work in the arts in the UK and for various charities. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll learn. I'll learn how to teach English. So I went on a course at the university in Guanajuato and learned to teach English and started teaching English. And for the very first time in my entire life, stood in front of a classroom of teenagers. It was like, oh, my gosh, this is possibly more scary than any public speaking ever. So I did that for a while and did some private teaching. But to be honest, I'm not a teacher in the sense of a classroom teacher. I'm a coach and I'm a much better coach than I am an English teacher, really. So I did it for a while and then I just thought I have to step back because it's making me stressed and tired. I'm resentful. I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. And and I thought, oh, at first I thought, oh, I rushed into this just teaching, but then realized what it did do was integrate me into getting on the bus by myself, going to the shop, you know, just having that independence from your partner, really. Um, and so it did many, many good things. And I made friends and things through it. And so, yeah, so that was a good, like a baptism of fire into teaching a school with teenagers. And then because of my teaching qualification in the UK, I'd always worked either in the arts or for charities. So I saw a charity advertise called uh, Language Beyond Borders, and they teach online refugees or displaced people, <clears throat> people who are displaced by conflict. So I applied to teach with them. Um, and it was it was like fantastic, really, because all of a sudden I found a real strong sense of purpose being here it tapped into some of the you know passions and values that you have I I taught two young women who live in Gaza who are coders and want to run technology like a you know they want to have their own internet companies and it also they made me think a lot you know the organization were teaching people who don't have a choice to live where they are or they're forcibly displaced and they're so full of optimism and resilience it really made me go why are you moaning <laughs> what is the problem you came with your own free will with a family and all that so it really ignited a fire in me really and now I just I do some work for them part-time um, doing the communications and trying to tell the story of what we do because it's such a is so powerful what they're actually doing. Um, so I do that. And I also train to be a Solia, which is part of the Erasmus program. So Erasmus is like a European funding type organize, uh, student exchange program across Europe. And they have an online dialogue program called Solia, which is about bringing people from different cultures together, usually students, to engage with difference. So they're often people from the Muslim and the European world, if you like, and they come together in groups of 10 or 12, and you act as a process leader. So you don't give your opinion, you 
act as a leader for them to give their opinions. And the idea is, is to not so anyone changes their mind about their views or their values, but so they can think about why they think that way. So to be honest, David, all these things kind of collided at the same time and suddenly being here made sense. So, you know, I guess, I don't know if you feel this, but I married a Mexican, so I thought I understood Mexicans. And then I realized, oh, the Mexican I married had been in Europe for a long time. So he's slightly different even from the Mexican here. So I just assumed it'd all be hunky-dory because I'd understand everything because I'd lived with one for a long time. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way, does it? It's like, you can't just marry them. <laughs> you need to understand. So suddenly, it, it just lots of things dropped into place about, you know, how there's a, a time that you are going through adapting culturally and how sometimes the way you are just butts up against that culture and it's really just to do with your English genes and you make assumptions. So it, lots of things came together and now I'm I'm part of a group of coaches called the Expat Coach Coalition and we're working on a program to help other people adapt and succeed in a new culture really that's that's what it's called so um i'm i'm on a path now which feels very good and i realized when you know i went through a phase of first few months honky dory teaching kind of okay then i realized oh this isn't really me. I'm I'm doing something that's not really me. How do I find me? Then very upset and quite low. And now I feel like I'm coming. I've come through that to the other side. That's what. Um, yeah, that's where I am really. And uh, what what could you what advice could you give to people who are coming to Mexico? What would you tell them to prepare for? Do you know what? Look, I've been scribbling all these things. I'm such a scribbler because I've been thinking about this. You know, I think the number one thing is to kind of take your time and to look after yourself. It sounds really ridiculous, but I think you can, because everything is new and you have to try change everything. It's actually quite exhausting physically and emotionally. So that's, that's one of the things I would say. And let go of expectations. Try to just remember it's not going to be like it was wherever you came from. I don't know. Maybe if you've, if well, if you're coming from Europe or a European country, it's not really going to be like that. And I think you have to kind of make your own judgments about things, especially because you will have seen yourself on all the forums about Mexico, the safety, the safety issues. It's dangerous. No, it's more dangerous in America. More people get shot in America. No, it's dangerous here. No, it's dangerous there. Personally, the fact of the matter is for many people here, I think it's very dangerous. <laughs> and and you have to be mindful of that, I think, whilst not being terrified of it because you're living your life. But we are more, you know, we are more mindful. So I would follow what you see the Mexican people around you doing, really. That's... And give yourself the time to adapt culturally. Try to find people who have lived here a long time, be they Mexican or not, that 
understand the culture a little bit better than you do. If you come with someone who's Mexican, don't assume that they understand it either. (laughs) Because that's not always the case, I say, for bitter experience. (laughs) The other thing I would say is prepare a little before you come. That's what I didn't do at all. So I would really think about looking at this town you're going to, who you might be able to find there, what either if you're coming professionally, what professional networks are already out there. Facebook for me has been a great kind of forum, really. I mean, you have to pick and take from it. Like, for example, I do not get involved in the political arguments about Britain's current situation. (laughs) Because I think that way lies madness. So I just I just don't do it. But I have made some really, really good connections on Facebook of people that you can ask questions of who don't mind answering questions. So I, I think you can do some preparation before you go. And I would kind of start thinking, I think it's hard. If you're coming and you're coming for a job, you're coming for a job, aren't you? But if you're coming... And like me, you were coming with a partner or a husband. I wouldn't necessarily think you have to know exactly what you're going to do. But I would think about how to approach it because I would put my hand on my heart and say I did have a very dark year. It's past now for sure. And I feel sickeningly optimistic and positive really but uh, there was a time where I was like oh my gosh I have to keep putting this face on now because I have a young child and I can't let them see me being a gibbering wreck and sad I could have avoided some of that if I'd have just put some thought into what my skills were looked around for what I might be able to do there or even thought I want to completely do something different so let's think about what that might be Okay, and uh, finally, do you have any uh, other projects you'd like to talk about? The own, my only other project that I'm in love with is I have a Facebook group that's growing called the Menopausal Expat because there is a lot, a lot of groups and a lot of support and a lot of discussions and they're often meetups with younger groups and mums groups and toddlers groups and going to international schools you can meet people and I suppose I could do all that because I do have a child or I guess if you didn't you could just borrow a kid and say it was yours and go but that I felt at the point I arrived here my body started to go through that volcanic change Mm -hmm. and some of the consequences of that is that you want to hibernate a bit more you don't want to be so public your tolerance level for things goes down. I become quite satanic in a flick of a finger. So all that's happening. And you're trying to deal with the fact that you've just made a physical, huge cultural shift, you know, everything in your life. So I just started seeing, oh my gosh, look, there's all these people and there's what where's the stuff for the 40 plus person? So I just created a group on Facebook, which is kind of growing and it's nice. It's quite good fun. So if anybody is menopausal and they would like to join, although I do know for some people that's not the best offer they'll have ever had in life. <laughs> but I think we have to claim that word because it's there's so many euphemisms around it. And also the thing of, you know, not knowing your, you know, I didn't even know the name for it in Spanish. 
let alone to try and find a doctor that you could talk to that wasn't going to sell you a big pharma stash of drugs. And I still don't. So I still do it. You know, I'm a DIY person. So I'm still looking after myself in that sense. So I thought it'd be nice to have a forum where we could exchange ideas and frustrations and all that malarkey and have a laugh at the same time because it can actually be quite funny too. So I was talking there to Jane Ordaz who lives in Irapuato. You can find the links to the groups and organisations she mentions in the show notes for this episode at mexicooverthewall.com slash Jane Ordaz. Over the course of this series, I'm going to be interviewing people from all over the place about their experiences of living in Mexico. If you live in Mexico and would like to take part, please get in touch by writing to feedback at mexicooverthewall.com. Please support the podcast by giving us a review, which you can do via mexicooverthewall.com slash apple for Apple Podcasts, slash stitcher for stitcher, or leave us a review via your favorite podcast provider. You can also support us with hard cash by sponsoring us on Patreon. One of the benefits of sponsorship is that you can get extended versions of these interviews. Go to patreon.com slash Mexico over the wall for more details. That's it for this episode. Hope you liked it. See you next time. Thank you.